2: This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 10, episode 25.
3: This is Writing Excuses. What makes a scene? Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Howard. I'm Mary. I'm Dan.
4: And... I joked that Howard is what makes a scene among us, but we're not talking about the scenes that Howard makes. We're talking about the scenes that Howard draws.
5: Yeah, only drawing them with words for most of y'all.
4: Yes, we're talking about... I get this question fairly often from my students and from um, aspiring writers. They, they understand the concept of chapter, but it gets really hard when they realize, wait a minute, a chapter is made up of several scenes. What defines that as a chapter? And what defines these separate individual scenes?
2: Yeah, and also the same thing when you're writing a short story. Mm-hmm. How do you tell if you're doing the short story as one big scene or smaller scenes? So what, what is a scene?
4: What, what, def- what do we mean by that word? For me, I, uh, a
5: scene can be either, and I, I go back to scene sequel format, mm-hmm. can either be functioning as a scene, which is something where there's action, mm-hmm. or sequel, where there is processing of the action, okay. And for me, uh, I describe a scene. The smallest unit of a scene is something that does all of one of those. A single scene might do two. You know, might might do both of them. Might have both scene and sequel. But for me, the smallest unit has to have a complete bit of one of those.
4: Okay. I think that for me, a scene begins where a character figuratively walks on the stage, a main character, and ends where we cut. So I'm actually using more of a cinematic term, terminology for this scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, although uh, the walks onto the stage can be misleading because yes. frequently you start in the middle of action.
4: Right. Or, yeah, whatever, you start the scene with, um, with the character doing something.
2: Yeah. For me, so this is where my theater background shows. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, scenes serve uh, – the, the, the structure of a scene mm-hmm. serves two purposes – one is that it is a way of controlling pacing. Mm-hmm.
4: Uh,
2: so a, a series of short scenes are going to feel more like a training montage. Okay. That it's it's going to give you a lot of information, but not a lot of depth. Longer scenes are going to be like a very long. And again, I'm using cinematic. Right. But it, it gives you more depth. Uh, but it it also feels can feel slower um, mm-hmm. sometimes it can have a, a sense of uh of urgency depending on what's going on in it but
4: see i don't do a lot of the first i really don't think as i'm trying to analyze listening to you say that i, I do a lot of start we're, we introduce our, our character doing something we raise questions mm-hmm. they struggle with those questions or conflict whatever it is and then something changes and we're done. And that is a scene for me. And sometimes that's an entire chapter. More frequently, there'll be two or three of those in a chapter.
2: Yeah. I, I am the same. I, that's, I do the same thing, that, mm-hmm. that what is happening in that scene yeah. is that I have a question and my character needs to to, to deal with that question. And I, I personally wind up structuring my scenes using the mice question, mm-hmm. quotient often, um, but so there is there is a central question, a central conflict, and I'm trying to resolve that during the course of this scene, or address it in some way, or you know sometimes leave it unresolved. But my decision about whether to have a scene break
4: mm-hmm. or
2: to roll straight through into the next scene, that is, the, for me, that is a pacing question.
4: That is a good point. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, because once in a, sometimes. And I'll do this more in the longer books. Mm-hmm. Um, the chapter, the character does something, and then you know, as so they walk to another place, and mm-hmm. we stay with them as they do what Howard just said. They're they're digesting what mm-hmm. just happened, and we're actually starting a new scene right there, mm-hmm. right. even though there's no line break. It's it's transitioning us.
2: Yeah, in theater we call this a, um, a it, it's a, a staged transition. Right. So in theater, there's two ways to do a scene break. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can cut to black. Right. Which is in in fiction, when yes. you're writing the hashtag, mm-hmm. uh, or you can do a through- th- through transition, right. which is where you see the characters actually moving the scenery and and, and it is conveying information um, and And again, for me, it's very much a pacing thing
3: yeah i I find that uh, I tend to think of scenes as you know one particular idea, whether that mm-hmm. is this is where we're going to learn. Or this is when these characters are going to have this conversation, you know, whatever it is. And when I go back in the revision process and say, you know, actually, this this probably needs to be two scenes because there's two ideas in it. It's it's always pacing that makes me stop and say no or yes, you know, whatever the decision is. I, I, I want this to, to stay as a single scene because I want to slow it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, I and struggled have it be with nice this and long.
5: At the end of uh, uh, Schlock Mercenary Book, 15 uh, Delegates and delegation, where we'd had a lot of action and a lot of reveals, and, uh, and then I reached a point where I knew we were stepping into denouement. Um, but there is no page turn with flock mercenary. There's mm. always just the next button. And so I needed, I needed a scene that was different enough from everything else that I could say, we have now entered denouement. This is, this is the point at which, fair reader, you are allowed to believe safely that we have resolved the conflict. And, and what I did for that was pulled way back and did another establishing shot of the planet, and this time, you know, the ring is gone. Mm. And, there's, and there's some narration happening. So, you know, in my, in my mode, which is uh, a third-person cinematic with a semi-omniscient yeah. narrator right. uh, mm-hmm. dropping into the semi-omniscient narrator for that scene was the pacing tool that tells the reader where we are in the story. Mm -hmm. And this may sound really simple, but I struggled for a week storming around the house with different things that needed to happen next, things that needed to happen in the denouement, and they were all wrong Mm. because none of them telegraphed that this is where we are in the story, and I had to have that happen before any of them would work.
4: So my next question for you then is: Why do we do this? Why is it important to be thinking about scenes rather than chapters and books and things like that? What is it? What does it gain us?
2: Well, again, sometimes we're writing short fiction, but but we it, are? some some <laughs> of us are. But it, but it serves the exact same function in both yeah. of them. Um, so there's. One of them is what we've been talking about with the pacing. The other is the practicality. Like, it allows us to do a jump cut. It allows us to go to a different character, mm-hmm. to a different location, to a different time. But one of the things that it's doing is it is signaling to the reader that we are going to make a change. Mm-hmm. And and that, that whether that's a visual break uh, by the hashtag, <laughs> I think you guys are going to get to hear my cat now, um, as bonus content. I don't know. Uh, then um it, it's it's still it's a it's a signpost to the reader that that we are we are making a pivotal change at this point the form
5: the the chapter the scene the whatever that that form is a portion of the syntax mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh and if you what well, if for instance you are you have a scene and then you have the the you know line break and the very next sentence is picks up exactly where we were before we had the line break, it's very confusing because the reader is expecting, oh, this portion of the form, we have transitioned scenes. Wait, right. why am I in exactly the same room with exactly the same person and the only thing that's changed is he's now put a fork full of food in his mouth? Right. That piece of the form would be very confusing. I'm not saying it can't be done, right. but the reason we don't see it often is because... Uh, most of the writers we read understand that you use that line break in order to telegraph something happening. Something's changing. A, yeah. a, a change we are moving of scenery. to a new or, place
3: or we have jumped ahead in time. Yeah. Or,
2: a new or, idea. or a gunshot just went yeah. off. Yeah. The cliffhanger mm-hmm. is a really good thing. I would say Not that, a really good thing, but a, a yeah. good indicator.
4: Um, I would say that for me, once I started to be able to visualize um, a, a continuum like this- mm-hmm. It made it much easier to judge the length of my story and to shrink or grow it based on the type of story I'm telling. Um, uh, the, the Stormlight Archive books are very complicated. In form, But when you start to think of them as a collection of scenes, it's much like you can look and say, okay, you know, a chair is really complicated. But once I start understanding the molecules that make it up, I kind of get it a
3: little bit better.
2: You understand chairs at a molecular level? Well, it's it's a metaphor.
3: Um, <laughs> you know,
2: it's a, a, a,
3: he also what communicates with them. When I was doing, them, I was doing
5: uh, product management yeah. in, in software terms... Uh, junior engineers would mm-hmm. spec out how long something was going to take to code and right. they'd always get it wrong mm-hmm. and engineers who had written lots and lots and lots of code could look at oh uh, you are asking me to do this dozen things which is going to take this group of modules right. and that's going to take me this long to write and the the piece of code is going to be you know is going to be about this long.
4: And so it's the same thing. The experience a better thing of- is, would be the pieces of the chair. You're going to make a chair. You've got to make this chair. If you look at it and say, well, that chair, I'm just going to cut that out of a big piece of wood. No, that's not how you make a chair because if you can understand individual pieces and make them very well, then the chair comes together. And it's the same way with the book for me. Um, once I understand what the different scenes are trying to accomplish, I can construct chapters. With those chapters, I can construct... Um, Uh, arcs which are are smaller
3: than a book see the 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 arc of a scene Mm -hmm. is is what i think we ought to get into now why don't we do the, the
6: hey writers are you thinking about learning a new language i think exploring the world experiencing other cultures and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer better stories a great way to do that is with rosetta stone a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered
0: It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at have
3: This is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall. He knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. The HVAC is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces. Plus 24 seven customer support. His venue never misses a beat. Call, QuickGranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Book of the, the week for the week, and, and then, then come the back arc to of that. the scene. Fantastic. Oh, the book of the week is uh, The Devil's Only Friend, written by the uh, excellent writer and handsome gentleman, Dan Wells. It is the fourth book in the John Cleaver series.
2: And it's so good. I've already read it. Sorry. Really loved it.
3: And you too can read it as well on audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. Um, I had for, for a long time, you know, all of my major publishers uh, had been asking for more John Cleaver books. And I was never ready to write more because I, I didn't want to just do it for money. I wanted to make sure I had a good story to tell. And it wasn't until I thought, well, okay, now I know what John's next arc of character growth is, and now I have a really good idea of who the bad guy is and how he or she works, well, okay, now I'm ready to go. Um, And so that's what this is. This is the start of a new trilogy uh, that takes John in a new direction. He grew a lot in the first trilogy, but that doesn't mean he is in a happy place. Or possibly ever will be.
5: And you already said audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. did. Where they can start a free trial membership. Did you say that part? I didn't, but it
4: is
3: a 30-day free trial membership. And it's and a really
2: good book. It's a really good book.
3: <laughs> they should
4: listen to this because in August it will be our Project in Depth.
2: Oh, that's right. And yes. so
4: if you can listen to or read The Devil's Only Friend before then, you'll be much more cognizant of what's going on in the story as we discuss it with Dan.
2: And, and also there are things that are spoilers that I desperately want to talk with Dan about, <laughs> Yeah, and you don't want to be spoiled on this book.
3: All right, what is the arc of a scene, Dan? Okay, so like I said earlier, I, I tend to think of a scene as, as a particular idea or, a, or an event that has to happen. And so, for example, I've, I've started writing John Cleaver Number 5, And had an idea of of the first scene and what I wanted to do with that. So I started writing it and got to a point where he said a line of narration, and I thought, well, that has to be where this ends. Because that has completed a very clear arc of motion Mm -hmm. from the one, you know, from the first line to this line. That's, it didn't accomplish all of the plot stuff that I wanted it to, but it was so obviously a solid ending that had accomplished something else that I just had to end it there and move on and do the rest in another scene. That
5: happens to me all the time where I'm writing, I'm writing a pair of characters in a conversation in the strip and I'm thinking, okay, you know, this is going to run the Monday through Saturday, you know, the single row, single row strips. And I arrive at Thursday and the line of dialogue on Thursday has closed off the scene in a way where if I do the next piece that I felt Needed to be done in order to move the plot forward. I'm going to be telegraphing to the reader that I'm starting a new scene, mm-hmm. and they will be confused when I actually change scenery on the strip that follows it. And so I look at the scripts and I say, "Well, is there a way for me to move that bit of plot forward by putting it mm. in another scene? Mm-hmm. Can that be told with a different set of characters?" And that happens to me.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I do the pretty opposite much every
5: week
4: a very a lot, which is where I say, "Oh, that's th- that's where my scene ends." I move it down to the bottom and I say, okay, I've got this other stuff to accomplish in in this Mm -hmm. chapter or this scene. Oh, and put stuff in the middle. And I go and put the, I move that to the end and I go move the stuff into the middle. I I do
5: that when I don't have anything to go on Mm -hmm. the Friday and the Saturday. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have a place to switch to and I'll think, oh, you know what? I just need to write, rewrite Tuesday, Wednesday Mm -hmm. uh, so that there's room for those pieces. So
3: how do we know when we've hit that point? We've all said that we know. Mm -hmm. How do we know?
4: my nose tickles.
3: <laughs> Howard's nose tickles for me.
5: He
2: the, calls okay, me and he yeah. calls you up and
3: says, "By the way, you that's just finished with the scene."
2: <laughs> so so I have two answers. One is uh, the actual the, the the way I actually know, which is that it, it feels right. But that's mm-hmm. not something you can teach and that's very yeah. really frustrating. Mm-hmm. So what is happening with that is that uh, mechanically the story is provoking the reaction in me that I want it to be provoking in the yeah. in the the reader. And what I can do when it's not working um, is that I, again, I use the MICE quotient, but I often use it as a diagnostic tool. Mm-hmm. So, and we've, you've, you've heard me talk about this a lot, but if, if we're looking at the idea portion of the, the acronym, if my character enters the scene and they have a question, and this scene is about them trying to get the information to that, and, and then I have that moment where the information is clear, and I'm like, aha, end of scene,
4: Right. Yeah. Or I do denimwa my scene sometimes. Yeah. I say, aha, that's end, now we'll go to epilogue for a few paragraphs.
2: Yes, and, and so that's, and this is again gets into it, mm-hmm. it's a pacing question for yeah. me. So I'll have that, that thing of, ah, this is resolved. Sometimes I will add more after it because even though that is a nice resolution, mm-hmm. I know that what it's going to do to my reader is it's going to make them feel comfortable, and I don't want them to feel comfortable yet. And so what I will do then is I will introduce part of the next scene, which mm. is I will, I will raise a new story question. Um,
4: and then you will cut. It's like yeah. we've been I talking cut. about how to, how to make a good hook at the end of a chapter. It is to introduce some curiosity for what's coming and
2: next. You do yeah. that
5: because you want, to, you want to build the page turn because you want them to keep reading
4: mm.
2: now. Yeah.
5: And often, Brandon, I mean, you've said this before, Brandon, sometimes you want to give people a chance to a, put In the a 400,000-word
4: book, book, I do. I never in yeah, no, a 100,000-word no. book. And the hundred thousand word books—that's I'm doing a lot more of what Mary's saying here. I'm like, you know, what? This is this is going to be read in a few quick settings, sittings. Whereas a four hundred thousand word book, thousand pages long, you're not going to. And I'm gonna—I I'm, mm-hmm. actually plot yeah. those as a trilogy. Each each book is a trilogy where there is an end of a book.
2: You know, this is actually a really good uh, example of something that I talk about with my students when I'm mm-hmm. talking about uh, scene length. So one of the things that I talk about with my students is thinking about it like an opera. If you're doing Aida on the Metropolitan Opera stage, you can have this giant opera with all of these things. And when you do three intermissions that are half an hour long, your audience is completely fine with that because they've been sitting for a long time and getting up and stretching and having cocktails is really great. But if I'm doing a short story, if I'm doing a short play, a one act, and it's 45 minutes long and I have a half hour intermission... No one is going to come back after the intermission.
4: Right. Uh, They will, but you're going to lose some of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Um, uh, We are out of time. Um, Mary, you have our homework for this week.
2: Yes. So what I want you to do is I want you to – what we've been talking about is the the function that a scene serves. What I want you to do is to look at the next three or four scenes in what you're writing, whether that's a short story or novel – and decide what the function is in the story, what, what it is doing to progress the plot. So that's the function. And then I also want you to decide what your main character's goal in that scene is, what they are trying to accomplish. So identify those two things, make sure that you know what those are, and then look at where you're starting and stopping those scenes, where you're planning to start and stop them to make sure that you're doing that in a place that will serve those two pieces.
4: Excellent. Excellent. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go right.
1: Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for 2.49 dollars a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shuff these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger. Fresh for everyone.